You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Sometimes I try to think about what it would have been like to have been one of Jesus' disciples and to have walked with Him for three years and to see the crowds increase and the excitement and the energy around His ministry and to be in the middle of it, to be a part of it and actually with my own eyes watch Him perform these miracles, you know? And, and then to hear Jesus say, yeah, I'm, I'm going away. This is about it for me. I, I, I got a feeling I would, have, I would have been begging, Jesus, don't do this. Man, I'm serious. You, you cannot leave. They're not, they're not coming to see me. They're coming to see you. I mean, you are the glue that holds all of this together. You can't go. But, but Jesus responds to his disciples' concerns when he says... No, it's really good that I'm going away because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask the Father and the Father is going to give you another helper, a comforter, a counselor. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit and He's going to be with you. If I didn't go away, He wouldn't come. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and the judgment. He, he's going to be speaking to you. He's going to be calling you. He's going to be reminding you of everything that I taught you. You want the Holy Spirit, believe me. And if I go away, then the Father is going to give this gift that He has promised you. And so, God promises the Holy Spirit to all who embrace Jesus as His Son. Let me, let me take you to the book of Acts. Will you go there with me to Acts chapter 2? You want to grab a Bible and open it? I'll open mine. We'll also put words on the screen for you. Um, if you're kind of new to carrying a Bible, it's, uh, it's in the New Testament. The book of Acts is. So the first book is Matthew, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. And we are in chapter 2. All right? And let me start reading with verse 1. Now... As we try to get ourselves uh, to imagine what life was like to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, for three years, they follow him. They, they watch him perform miracles. They're, they're in the middle of everything that's going on. And then you can only imagine the devastation that comes into their lives when he is crucified on the cross. So they had hoped that he was going to restore Israel. Their, their view of the Messiah was political in nature. Israel had been under the rule of the Babylonians and the Persians and now the Romans. And they are saying, when are we going to be restored as a nation? And their idea was, the Messiah is going to do that for us. And so Jesus meets with them after he is raised from the dead. So you have the crucifixion. We feel no hope anymore. Oh, there's the resurrection. We feel hope again. And so now, 40 days, they meet with Jesus. They eat with him. They talk with him. And he tells them, Okay, John baptized with water, but you know what's going to happen to you? Um, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I don't think there was any way they could understand it or get it. But they still had in mind that the nation of Israel is going to get restored, right? And so they just asked that question. Okay, we hear you talking about restoring, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit, rather, baptizing us. But is that when the nation of Israel gets restored? And so Jesus kind of says something that seems detached. 
It's not really for you to know the times or the dates, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you are going to be my witnesses in the city of Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so, when you get to chapter 2, it happens. So let me, let me read to you what happens. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. We're assuming about 120 people in an upper room. They were in one place, and suddenly, a sound, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. I mean, are you getting this? You're in the room, you get this violent wind, and then you see fire in the room. There's fire in this house. And what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I don't know, I read those words and I get pretty pumped up. Like that was a big deal. So there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they ask. Aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Yelamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, I think they've had too much wine to drink. And then Peter, he stood up with the eleven, the remaining eleven apostles. He raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live here in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In these last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is God's word for us today. I wonder if there's like a... A young man who is maybe 12, 13, 14, something like that, that would come up and, and just kind of sit on this stool for me for a minute. Anybody that age that would be willing to 
Come up. Okay, jump up. Thanks so much. You're awfully kind. Appreciate that. Yep, let's give it to him. Good. So, uh, remind me your name. Evan, that's right. Evan, it's a big day for your family here. That's what I thought you were. You mind sit down for a minute, Evan? So, you, you, you hear Evan raised in the United States of America. Your family is all over here today. And once in a while, uh, your family will, like, take a trip. You guys get in a vehicle, right? And you go, you got a radio on the car, um, CD player, and you listen to music, and you travel, that kind of thing. Um, had you been raised in the first century, um, and, and, and you were there, and, and you heard all about Jesus and everything, and you were a Jew, you were born a Jew, not a Gentile, okay? So your dad, who is right over here today, I see him, he, he would probably, at about this time in your life, say to you, Evan, I think it's time that you begin to go with me to the festivals. So, here's what the deal was. If you were a Jewish person in the first century, and for several centuries leading up and even after, you celebrated religious festivals. So there was Passover, and there was another one called Pentecost, and that's what we're talking about today. And then there was another one called the Feast of Tabernacles. And so your dad would say, Evan, you're coming of age now. And every adult male, and although he may not treat you like an adult now, you're coming to that place in your life, he would say, it's time for you to go with me to the festivals. And so when Pentecost comes along... Tim gets ready and your mom is going to make food because you don't have a car. You have maybe a donkey or maybe not. You're going to walk. She packs food and that kind of thing. And you don't have a radio because they didn't exist. And so you're going to make music, but to make music, you've got to sing. And so you would begin singing the Psalms of Ascent. And they start in Psalm chapter 120. There'd be other people from your village that may be walking with you. Maybe your grandpa would be walking with you. And you guys would go up to Jerusalem. That's the reason they call them Psalms of Ascent because land-wise Jerusalem was elevated and you would travel up to Jerusalem and you would be a part of the festivals. And so you guys would be all excited because you're going to Pentecost. Okay? So that's very different than your life is right now. I know. But had you been born 2,000 years ago and been born a Jew in Palestine... That's what your life would have looked like. So I didn't really ask any questions of you or make you do anything, but I really appreciate you coming and sitting on that stool, okay? So we'll give him a hand, all right? So Evan and his dad and his grandfather, had they lived then and had they been born Jew, would have gone to a festival called Pentecost. Do you know what the word Pentecost means? The word itself, do you know what the word Pentecost means? Anybody know? 50 is correct. 5-0. Do you know why it's called, why, why, why the word 50 was important was because that there was another festival called Passover that was celebrated and Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. So Passover is a day that's a little bit easier to remember the meaning of because here was what was going on when that originated. So people of Israel years before were living in bondage and slavery in Egypt. And God says to Moses, I'm calling you and we're going to free our people, okay? And so you remember the ten plagues and the last one was that the firstborn of every family would be killed. The death angel would come. And so the Hebrew people were taught, sacrifice a lamb. Take the blood. Put it over the doorframe of your house and the death angel will... Pass over your house and your firstborn will not die. And that very night, they gained their freedom and they took off. They crossed the Red Sea and into the Sinai Desert. So, 50 days later, they arrive at Mount Sinai. 
And that's where the law was given. And so Pentecost is this other festival after Passover, 50 days, and they celebrate the giving of the law. And so there's lots of parallels that you can draw from that, that in the original Pentecost, uh, you know, the law was given, written on tablets. Uh, years later at Pentecost in the New Testament, uh, the law was written on the tablets of our hearts and so on and so forth. So let me, let me chat with you a little bit about that event, okay? So Annette and I were out last night, uh, yesterday afternoon really, maybe around 530 and I'm looking at my phone, and I see on the radar that there's a huge storm moving at us. I mean, it's almost on us. And so I said, hey, why don't we go home and, and not, you know, be out during this storm? And so on the way home, we turn on the radio, and we're listening to the uh, weather broadcast. And then when we get to the house, we turn on the television. And they're saying, yeah, there was a tornado that touched down uh, 30 minutes earlier, and we're watching that, and now there's some rotation we see. It's always down south, isn't it? Man, those poor people down south always get all that stuff. And so we're watching and being very aware of the weather. We learned when we moved here that we would be wise if we respected the weather. Good idea, right, if you live here. So I'm wondering, many of you have probably grown up here. How many of you have actually, I've never seen this with my own eyes, I've never seen, walked outside, driving in a car and seeing a tornado. I've only seen them on television. How many of you, raise your hand really high, if you have ever seen an actual tornado? Just, my goodness, a lot of you have seen a tornado. Okay, this is what I've never done as well, because I've never seen one, I've never heard one. How many of you have ever been close enough? And I've heard people talk about it, and people have said it sounds like a train. You know, this, how many have ever heard a tornado? I've never heard one. You, a lot of you have. Great day, I'm shocked. I didn't think... That many of you would have heard. So it's Pentecost. It's Jerusalem. The city is buzzing. It's hopping. There's all kinds of people. Vendors are selling things, making money. People have come, Jews from all over the place, because God said come to this city and celebrate this festival. And they're all doing that. And it's there in that setting that a group of followers of Jesus have gathered in this upper room and they're praying. And all of a sudden, the sound of a violent wind filled the room. Now, I don't really know what that is, but I know that a tornado would be, consi- be considered a violent wind. Would that be a good definition of a tornado, a violent wind? So I wondered if it had that sound. It was a sound that was loud enough that people who weren't in the room, people who were away, they were all hearing the sound. And they came running over to see what the sound was. And then what seemed to be tongues of fire begin to rest on the people. I mean, I'm wondering if people are... What would you be doing if you were in the room when all that was happening? You've got this sound that's a violent wind and you see fire. However, it's the presence of God. They begin to do things that were out of the normal, like speaking in other languages, other tongues. And I don't want to belittle any of those signs. They're all extremely powerful in my mind. The fire and the wind and the speaking in tongues. But you understand, people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And life would never be the same for those people again. Would you describe yourself as someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit? What does that mean to you? Would you say, I, 
I believe I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter gets up. And he raises his voice. Do you understand what's happening here today? (laughs) This is like what we've been dying for, waiting for, living for, waiting for, hoping for. God is pouring His Spirit out upon the earth. It's what the prophets prophesied about. It's what Joel was talking about in the Scriptures. And of course there's going to be miraculous things like signs and visions and dreams. I mean, God is doing a new thing among us. I went to a little dinner the other night at someone's home and they'd invited some other couples and and there was a guy there eating named Dave O'Bannon. Dave has attended our church for, um, for a long time and he teaches at the university next door. And he began to tell me some stories about what was going on in his life in the last couple of weeks. He said, I'm pretty pumped up. I said, well, I want to hear about it. And he says, well, you know, I do devotions in my class. And uh, I try to be a faithful witness and try to talk about Jesus. And there's a girl that's in my class that I've been praying for ever since the beginning of the semester. And of course, you know, we just come into the end of the semester here. And he said she made an appointment with me. She came by my office and she wanted to talk. So when she gets to my office, she sits down and she goes, I don't want to talk about business class. I want to talk about God. And Dave says, okay, let's talk about God. And so he says, we, we, we get into it. We begin to talk about God. We begin to talk about who Jesus is, about forgiveness of sins. We begin to talk about the fact that she could be born of the Spirit, born again, transformed, changed, sins forgiven. And he says, we, we're in this conversation, I, and I look across my desk at her, and I said to her, do you want to become a Christian now? And she said, Yeah. I want to become a Christian now. And so he leads her in this prayer. And she becomes a follower of Christ and asks for forgiveness of sins and asks Jesus to change her heart and to make her a new person. And he says, just, just a few days before that, we were in chapel and, and Blair Spindle, our chaplain, had set it up to where that we were professors and other people setting kind of faculty on the peripheral of the of this. Of the, of the chapel and, and if you wanted to go pray with somebody you could and he says I saw this girl coming at me and she just points like let's go to the altar and I got up and I followed her to the altar and I get down at the altar and she says I want to become a Christian and I pray with her and she becomes a Christ follower in that moment it's good stuff huh I love professors like that See, when I hear the story, I got a feeling some of you are thinking like me, I want to be like Dave. How do you get to do that? Jesus made a promise. I know John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you are going to receive power and you're going to be witnesses. 
And so you're not going to be drawing from your own strength or your own source of power. No, you're going to be drawing from the source, the power source that God will give you, that the Spirit will give you. And you're going to be witnesses and you're going to share Jesus. And as you share Jesus, you're going to share Jesus with power. And so there's this gift. And the Father promises it to you. And when you receive this gift, you're going to receive this power to be witnesses for Jesus. I was in, I was in Paraguay just uh, last month. And so as we were flying to Paraguay, we had to stop over in Brazil, the country of Brazil. We were in the city of Sao Paulo, just in the airport. The only person that spoke English to me in Brazil was was a lady that was standing there when I got off the plane to tell me where I was supposed to go. And I could not find another person to speak English. I wanted to order something to eat, but I didn't know what they had to eat. And, and I wanted to find something that I really wanted to eat. I didn't know what the stuff was. And I'm trying to, I'm asking stuff and they're just looking at me going, yeah, nobody could help me. So I would try someone else and they would just look at me and smile. They would hold something up like, this is what you want? No. Nobody could, nobody could speak English. They speak Portuguese in, in Brazil. I remember being in Peru a few years ago. And, and that night I was going to preach in one of the churches. And so I've been working on my Spanish. And I wanted to show the people that I'm trying to learn your language to some degree. This was a few years ago. And I, I know very little Spanish. But I, I worked up this deal where I could get up and say, Good evening. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad to be here. You've made me feel very welcome. I was going to say all that myself to them in Spanish. So I say to the interpreter, um, I got this for a few minutes. I'm going to do a little greeting here. And she knew that I couldn't speak Spanish. And she looked at me and kind of grinned and said, you sure? <laughs> and I said, you just, you just wait. I've got this covered. You're, you're going to love this. I've been working hard on this all day. And so I get up and I'm going to say, you know, buenas noches. Good evening. But I guess I was nervous and I said, buenas noches. Good chips, everybody. And they all just laughed so hard they slapped their legs. And I was then too nervous to try to get it right. So I just said, forget it. I can't do it. So the interpreter is just like, yeah, I told you so. Because of Alexander's conquest, so much of that part of the world spoke Greek. At least as a second language. At least to some degree. 400 years earlier, he had said, I'm going to make the world Greek. And so if you're going to do something big, why don't you just do it in Greek? Most of the people understand some of it anyway, right? The Jews who lived around Palestine probably spoke Aramaic. Some of them might have spoken classical Hebrew. Latin was a language that you would hear some Greek more. But on that day, God did this incredible, dynamic, new, miraculous thing. Where that he had the men speaking, but everybody could hear them in their own language. <laughs> and they're scratching their heads going, what is happening? What does this mean? This is nuts. I'm hearing them in my own language. I'm from this other... What is taking place here? What's going on? I think what does it mean was a really good question because it did mean something. You remember back at Pentecost when the law was given? It was really given to the Jewish people. This is for the people of God. We're in covenant together. This is how I want you to fulfill my purpose in life and in this world. But in the New Testament when Pentecost, 
occurs and the Holy Spirit comes on that day, it comes to people of every language. And God was saying the gospel is for everybody. All nations, all people. It's almost like what happened at Babel, you know, where the language got confused. It's almost like it was reversed. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people. God's doing something new. So could I just, before I'm finished here in about a minute or two, could I just talk to you about my life a little bit? My experience? I remember as a seminary student going to the altar one night at Kansas City First Church. I was kneeling and I felt somebody with their hand on my back and then they said to me, Rick, can I pray for you? And I turned around and it was a a guy who was retired and he was elderly then. His name was Dr. Ralph Earl. He was a, a, a New Testament scholar. And those of you who've been around the Church of the Nazarene, you might know his name. He did some really neat things. He served on the committee that did the translation of the New International Version of the Bible. And I remember, I remember looking up at that, that precious old man. He was very elderly at that point. And, and I just said, Dr. Earl, I want, I want the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how else to say it. I remember, I remember him praying with me. And as I, as I live my life over those next few days, I was overwhelmed. God had done something inside of me. I was working at a bank. I felt like my witness had power. Do you know, just a couple of months ago, I stood here and preached. And honestly, most of the time I'm preaching to me. If it benefits you, that's good. I'm the one probably needing this stuff as much as anybody. And and that day, that day, I went down and I got on my knees and I prayed. Because God was speaking to me that day. And, and, and I said to, 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 to Lewis, one of our pastors here, and a few others, God did something in me. I, f- I, feel this, I feel this sense of this refreshing of His Spirit, you know. I feel power. Lord, just fill me with Your Spirit. Just let Your Spirit come. He speaks to me. I never have any doubts. I remember the night that I interviewed here about becoming your pastor. As much as I know my name, I believe God was saying, this is your future. He guides me. You know what he says to me sometimes? Stop it. Don't. (laughs) Good. 
Sometimes I feel like he's a cheerleader, you know. You go, Rick! He calls me. He leads me. He brings to my mind the words of the Scripture. He sometimes convicts my heart. Don't you understand, Joel? Peter says, Joel Joel talked about it to other prophets. This is God doing something new. He is pouring His Spirit out on us. So I want you to stand with me. And I want us to pray before we go. So Kyle will come and he'll lead us in this. If you want to pray, I think I always make it pretty clear the altars are available to you. That's fine. Feel free always to do that. Maybe you just want us this morning to say, Lord, just, you know, a fresh filling of your spirit in my heart today. So would you just take this time with me to call on the Lord to pray this prayer that we're going to sing together. Let's be in His presence. Spirit
great prayer just to be praying throughout this day. And, and to borrow words from the Apostle Paul, I'll, I'll leave you with, with these words, that you would live your life with an awareness of the Spirit. And, and this is the language he uses. Keep in step with the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. So God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.